Spiritual warfare, what is it exactly? Often, we recognize that we are in a spiritual battle, but it can be unclear how the enemy attacks or even how we gain victory. In this series, Pastor John Metter of Cross City Church shares insights into how best to prepare for and defeat the enemy. It's a war, but there is a clear winner. This is John Metter, and welcome back to our Life is War podcast. And we are on number six, walking through all kinds of spiritual war principles. And these are so, so important for your life, for your victory, <clears throat> for your family, for those around you. So thank you for joining us in this. Uh, I'm going to attempt to take just a moment and remind you of where we've been. We started this thing with session one, how to be, a spirit, how be in a spiritual battle and not lose your way. Uh, because it's so important that we understand that there's a bigger picture in mind. It's not just the war. It's not just the battle. It's the fact that God has called us to something higher than the normal human life. Uh, session two, the aim of the enemy and the aim of the saint. We got into Ephesians 6 with that one after opening up with 1 Peter 5. And uh, we've got this image in our minds of Satan as a roaring lion, seeking whom he, not, he may devour and and, uh, of course, the roar of the lion always means he's already gotten his prey. So you don't want to hear the roar. You want to be aware he's there. Before the roar, you want to be ready. So the aim of the enemy is to deceive you, distract you, to keep you from being aware of how he's going to pull you away from God's ways in your life, whether it's your thinking or your, or your emotions or your relationships or your actions. Session three, we got into the armor of God. Three pieces of the armor in session three, three more pieces in session four, uh, noting that we have one more piece of armor that I'm going to get into today, uh, and that, that piece is called prayer. It ties it all together. Even though it's not a visible piece in the Roman centurion's armor, it still is incredibly important, as Paul says um, in Ephesians chapter six. Uh, the last session dealt with getting ready to rumble. Just what are some training techniques and what do you need to, to do in terms of your relationship to God's word, God's truth, to be ready for this battle? Actually, the battle is not won on the battlefield as much as it's won in the training tables and on the training fields. That's where you uh, spend the time it takes to surround yourself with the right kind of people, uh, those who agree with the truth that the scripture tells us is true those who would be your comrades in, in battle, that hold up their shields of faith next to you. Uh, I, I'm very big on local church commitment, and the reason I am is when I see people out there isolated, it's like, it's like the deer that I talked about. The lion comes after the deer who is separate, separated from the rest of the herd, and he waits till he's all alone, he's weak, he's tired, and the lion and all the other lions around that pride come after that deer because it's easy pickings. And so are you as a believer if you're out of fellowship with Jesus and out of fellowship with his church. So um, I'm real big on, on that. And it's, it's really important that you get ready to rumble by being in a local biblical uh, New Testament church that walks through the scripture, that doesn't avoid issues, uh, that actually takes time to dig into the word of God as it is the word of God and um, who disciples people. And then not only being in that church, but learning the scriptures itself and surrounding yourself with good people. So that's how you get ready to rumble. Um, session six now, what we're going to deal with today, uh, gets into the prayer element. I'm just going to call this session Life is War, even though that's also the title of the whole podcast. 
But I'm going to call this session Life is War because so much of what I talk about involves the actual actions of war in prayer. So prayer is a weak spot for most of us. I know it is for me. I know that prayer is one of the most difficult things we do because it's all done by faith. You don't see the God you pray to. You don't really hear him. Uh, and yet you're to pray to him. And at the same time in your mind, you know that he already knows everything you're going to say to him. So what's the point of prayer? The point of prayer, of course, is depending on God. It is, it is asking God to work in your life and being aware of the movements of God. And in prayer, we sometimes see the movements of the enemy coming against us because we're talking to God and God reveals those things to us. Now, prayer is incredibly important. We'll talk about that uh, today. I want to I open this up by just kind of giving you a, a, a story. It's a true story. It happened to me when I was young in ministry. And uh, this story is designed to remind you of the power of the enemy. I can recall when I was in student ministry, back in the 80s, our pastor called myself and another uh, young, young man into his office and asked us to go visit with a woman that he called the church whose husband was threatening her. This man had just uh, gotten out of prison. Uh, she had picked him up at prison and brought him back to her apartment not far from our church. And, um, and he was threatening to kill us. It was really interesting to me that our pastor asked myself and this other guy to go, but the pastor wasn't going. Uh, he was afraid to walk into that kind of environment, uh, not knowing really what was going on. So, uh, I mean, it was something he told us to do. So we went over to the apartment and uh, the guy in the apartment uh, looked like he was sane in his right mind. Um, and the woman was terrified because we were there at her call. And uh, long story short is we realized that this guy was uh, not just a guy that was saying and seemingly in his right mind, but he really had demonic influence in his life. As we began to talk and began to probe, uh, that demonic influence began to manifest itself in really, really visible and wicked ways and violent ways. He, he threatened violence and, and, of course, we had to intervene and, and try to rescue the woman. And, and it all worked out well. Uh, in the sense that this guy and his wife were separated and she was protected. But it left me with huge questions at the age of about 27, 28. What's going on inside of this man that in one moment he can look sane and in his right mind, even though he's an ex-con. And in another moment, it's like a switch was turned on and you could see a different look in his eyes. You could see a different demeanor. It was, his words were almost in a different voice and very, very uh, crude and rough. And, and, uh, and I realized this was something that was not natural, something that was not normal, but I didn't know uh, too much more than that. Well, that situation was disposed of and dealt with. And, and uh, about a year later, I was called to pastor a church in Oklahoma. And there for seven years, I, I interacted with more people that were either demon-possessed or in some way oppressed by the demonic. Uh, and I had to have a crash course in that. In all actuality, I haven't seen anything like it before or since those seven years in Oklahoma. And uh, I can't even give you a good reason why it all happened then and there, but I can tell you I was thrown into the deep end of a pool. Uh, one day, one of our church members came uh, to talk to me. It was a man who had a neighbor uh, near him, uh, and this neighbor was uh, saying that he wanted help, he wanted counsels. Uh, and the friend that came and told me about this guy told me he was a Vietnam War vet, that he had a lot of problems, he, he, uh, he had some physical issues, 
uh, and he was an alcoholic and just just started adding up to a lot of things. Um, and he also uh, said he had a streak of violence in him because of his war years. He would he was prone to violence, and this friend of mine said, you need to take a couple of guys with you. So uh, actually four of us went over there to visit this man. And when we first began to visit with this man, he was, again, calm and in his right mind, it seemed. But as I began to ask probing questions about this guy and, and what he was troubled by and why he wanted help, he began to speak with a very different voice. Uh, and by a different voice, I mean not his voice. And uh, I realized that, that this man was demon-possessed. He was not a believer. He had never accepted Christ. But the more I probed, the more I realized he had been involved in some war crimes. He had been involved in, in the torture of individuals. And he had custody of the two children in his house. And, and at one point, um, he uh, threatened to kill himself in our presence. And we moved over to the couch where he was seated and, uh, and held on to him and just said, no, you're not going to do that. We're not going to let you hurt us. We're not going to let you hurt uh, yourself. And uh, we, we just spoke those words to him, trying to calm him down. And I remember thinking in my mind, there's no way this guy can get up with all four of us pinning him down. And uh, in a way that I can't explain, he turned and looked at me and, and said to me as though he knew what I was thinking. He said, you don't think I can do it, do you? And he stood up. Now, I weighed 240 pounds. My friends were about that big. We were big guys. But he threw us off like we were raggedy dolls. And uh, I didn't know anything else to do except shout out, sit down in the name of Jesus. And it might, might as well have been a shotgun blast that hit him in the chest. And he sat down uh, in silence. And there we began to do some, what I call today, deliverance ministry with this guy that was demon-possessed and threatening himself, threatening us, uh, threatening his children. And uh, long story short, I learned a lot about spiritual warfare. Long story short, this man did get freedom. And years later, uh, I've heard he's walked in freedom. So obviously, I'm shortcutting the longer parts of the story. Uh, and this podcast is not about demon possession. So why am I telling this story? I'm telling this story because I want you to know that the power of the wicked one is real. And when we open the doors for him to infiltrate into our lives, he is able to do that and gain a foothold and begin to destroy us from the inside out like a virus, like a bacteria. He can eat us alive. And when we do not open the door to him, then we can walk uh, in battle firmly, entrenched in truth, and remain that way. So I'm pretty sure that this is not going to scare you hearing it on a podcast, but I'm also pretty sure it's going to make you be very aware that our enemy is real. He does have power, and we need to know how to fight that battle. And there's no better place to fight it than in prayer. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through verse 20, um, there's some principles that, that I'll bring out today about prayer. Uh, first of all, I just want to say, I just want to say to you that as a result of that story and as a result of the whole series, just know that life is war. Know that it's war. That's why Paul opens up by saying, finally be strong in the Lord. And let me give you some reasons why life is war. Life is war because we follow Christ. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And this is not a safe life that you've chosen in following Christ. It's a surprise for many people because they, they feel like following Christ is like Psalm 23. You know, it's a gentle shepherd and sheep's relationship. And, you know, these green valleys and these still waters and all this wonderful stuff. 
And it's all true that we do have a good shepherd. He does lead us beside the still waters. He does lead us to green pastures. But um, also remind yourself that the scripture in Psalm 23 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So there is a threatening piece of this. Jesus in Matthew chapter 10 says, I send you out like lambs among wolves. So following Christ is not the safe life. It's not easy. Just ask his first disciples when you get to heaven, all of whom uh, were martyred. They They were murdered for their faith. But also know that life is war because we have an adversary. I, I told you a little bit about this adversary uh, a few minutes ago when I uh, shared with you some of the things that I'd experienced in life. But you can see who he is in Genesis 3, the serpent who tempted Eve. You can see in Matthew 2, he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. And what he's doing is he's actively scheming to disrupt what God wants to do in your life. Now, you may be listening to this podcast and you may be thinking, well, I don't know anything that God is doing in my life. And if you don't know anything that God is doing in my life, I would say that the enemy uh, possibly has already gained some victory in your life. If you can't name anything God is doing in your life, the God of the universe, then you probably are in a battle that you're unaware of. So he wants to disrupt what God wants to do in your life. Think of all the things that God wants to do in your life that you know of from Scripture, and that's what the enemy wants to disrupt. He wants to disrupt your character. He wants to disrupt your relationships. He wants to disrupt your prayer life, your your uh, your your family life. He wants to disrupt your ability to share the gospel, uh, to have purpose in life. He wants you just to go through life and then die. And he doesn't want you to know the blessing of God. He doesn't want you to know the the abundant life that we talk about a lot. Also, you want to know that life is war because we're commanded to resist against him. That's the Ephesians 6 passage again, so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. And that's what the armor's for. That's why we took time to walk through each piece of that armor. But I think sometimes we forget we're in army and we forget we're in a, we forget we're in a battle. And as a result, we get annihilated. We begin by shooting each other. And as you read the book of Ephesians, realize that the whole book isn't, it's not about me, it's about we. It's not about one individual, it's about the whole body of Christ. And that's why I always emphasize the body of Christ. So know that life is war, and then understand what prayer is for. I've quoted John Piper at the opening of this whole series of messages. And what John Piper said was, until you know that life is war, you cannot know what prayer is for. So understand what prayer is for. And this is when we get to verse 18. This is kind of the capstone of the armor of God. Here's what it says. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Several years ago, there was a movie out and uh, it reminded us that people need to have a war room. A place where they go and pray to God to help them fight the battles in this life. And I don't know if you have a place of prayer or a war room or a closet that you've turned into um, a little space for you to talk to God and remind yourself about what life is about and what God is about. But if you don't have one, you should create one. For me, I have my desk and my, my study is often my prayer room. And very often I prayer walk. I go outside early in the morning I look up into the sky to remind myself of the greatness of our God, how big he is, how magnificent and powerful he is before I start praying about what are other seemingly, uh, otherwise seemingly mundane things. 
And this God of the universe cares about me. Sometimes I sit on my front porch in a little chair that I have there, and, uh, and I pray there. But I have a systematic way of walking through my prayer requests, and I realize that when I don't spend time in prayer, I'm not as conscious of the spiritual battle going on as I need to be. So let me tell you some things that prayer does for you. Prayer activates God's power. Part of the, uh, the whole idea of prayer is that it makes us mindful of the different pieces of the armor. I think about when I pray, uh, the a confidence I have in my salvation. I think about the righteousness that Jesus has given me. I think about the Word, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Uh, I think about the loins of truth that I'm belting up every day. I th- all these things, prayer reminds me uh, of the armor. Um, there's an old song we used to sing, uh, an old hymn called Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. And one of the lines is, put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with care. And I think that's a good reminder that it just takes a few moments to remind yourself of, of everything you need to have uh, and be mindful of in order to be aware of the war. Uh, it's not that God is inactive if you don't put those pieces on, but we're asked to appropriate his strength in our life. The armor is present. It's there. But we must put it on by faith. And uh, we want you to learn to do that. Priscilla Shirer, um has a great uh, teaching on prayer, and she has a great statement. And she says this, prayer works. It always has. It always will. And I agree with that very short, very plain, blunt thing. Prayer works. It always has. And it always will. Look through the Bible at the great prayers of men and women of God, and you'll see that. So God, is, God uses prayer to activate us and him together. Prayer also neutralizes <clears throat> the enemy. Because in Ephesians 6, verse 13, it says, Pray and put on the armor of God that you may be, be able to resist in the evil day. We resist through prayer. James 4, 7 is that great simple verse, and the way only James can say it, uh, where he reminds us of that principle. He says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resisting Satan's advances is not a passive kind of thing, but you resist him actively in prayer. Sometimes prayer is a battle in itself where you're holding on to truth and rejecting falsehood even while you pray. While you're praying to God about the things that bombard your mind, that get you off track, that tempt you, that, um, that somehow bother you. And you're saying to God, I know these things are bothering me, and I know these things do not, uh, do not help the truth that you've told me to walk in. So help me relegate those out of my mind. Help me to tear those things down so that I can walk in truth. So that's a real, real battle in prayer. Truth versus falsehood. Uh, righteousness versus accusations, uh, all those things. Some time ago, we uh, we began something called the Jericho Challenge Prayer in our church services, and uh, it involved um, ask, asking people to come down to the front uh, as they were praying about certain things and, um, and just spending a time of calling out to God together. It really started when I was walking through the book of Joshua, and uh, we kind of reenacted that not in the sense of marching around the building but in the sense of coming down on a Sunday and calling out to God as his people the number of stories that have come out of that active practice that we've been doing for probably seven or eight or nine years now has been amazing people have said that God has spoken to them about things 
Uh, he's opened the door for them. He's given them deliverance. He's given them freedom. And all we're doing is saying, you come, you pray with all of God's people that he would tear down walls in your life, that he would do things in your life that you cannot do yourself. Prayer is powerful. It does work. It does neutralize the enemy. Prayer conditions us to obey. That's the last thing. Uh, the Bible says, and having done everything to stand firm. And you really haven't done everything until you've prayed and obeyed. And that's not just for us personally, but it's for us as a church family. It's not me, it's we. And what prayer does, it, it births conviction and then action. So when I pray first and when I pray often, I end up praying boldly. I know God is telling me to do something. I know I'm about to encounter something, and he's helping me do that in a way that only he can. So pray first, pray often, pray boldly, because life is war. So I want to end this podcast episode by asking you this question. What's your prayer life like? When do you spend time with God? When do you record the things, maybe in bullet point, uh, in a journal or on a on a note somewhere that, that God is answering prayers, actively moving in your life. When you see God actively moving in your life, it builds your confidence to face the battles we have to face today, knowing that the greatest power on the planet is on our side and behind us. I want to encourage you that though life is war, we have the reigning king and the one who will be eternally reigning king, Jesus Christ on our side. And I want to encourage you, you can win the battle because the Lord's strength is available to you. So as we wind this uh, episode down, uh, we're going to be moving into what it means to win the war of life uh, and how to put, how to use this armor that we talked about earlier and identifying it. How do we do that day by day? Thank you so much for joining us. This is John Metter. Hope you uh, catch the next episode of Life is War. <laughs>